Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Tell us that miraculous story. Spare no detail. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 504, A Life Earned, is brought to you by the Lighthouse Level 35 Daycare Center. Oh, baby. <laughs> well done, Pete. Hello, everyone. So great to be continuing to podcast all this great geeky goodness. Pete, in the last week, we have been to a galaxy far, far away. We have been following the adventures uh, of uh, Frank Castle in New York. We have been in Los Angeles with the Runaways. <laughs> Am I missing anything else? And then, of course, now we're back in space with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the future. So we've gone from a long time ago to far, far away, to this planet twice over, to space in, in near-Earth or orbit. And uh, high school. So I think you've pretty much covered it all. Yeah, and uh, what, what, a, what a great time we're having. So thanks for coming along for the ride. Uh, I'm particularly proud of our uh, review of Star Wars The Last Jedi. Uh, judging from the tomato meter, if that means anything, the audience score is at 56 okay uh i think respectfully you're wrong and suddenly everybody's a writer and understands structure and archetype etc etc but hey you know what everybody gets an opinion this is a meritocracy on the internet you vote with your dollars and uh that's fine but uh we have that up so you can go ahead and listen to that the punisher runaways everything we're bringing you this time of year when we catch you up on what went down, Matt, we begin with our teaser here. Cassius is of the belief that it was he who rescued humanity, and he's going to tell Daisy all about that. Her blood is being drawn there as she's strapped in a chair. Um, with that, they uh, talk about how uh, people clung to their gods there. Uh, tales of of quake as one of them uh the old ones matt say that shield was going to come and save them um but uh with all of this he's got a gemma she is the piece obviously they're using to manipulate daisy and uh they want to know if there's anybody else that's come with them I like that he seems a little ambivalent as to truth with a capital T. Uh, he, he posits that maybe Daisy is there to help him. Uh, regardless, though, he says that uh, he's prepping to sell her to bidders and, um, in retrospect, setting up the, uh, the, the final act so well, the end of the episode so well. Um, and then there's the, the the added drama, of course, Daisy should help. That is, if she wants Simmons to remain looking so beautiful. Right. And as we hit the title card there, we come out. We have Coulson and May um, that they have uh, rendezvoused again here, noting that the trawlers have been shut down. So the idea of moving back and forth and around in this space situation has become harder oh yeah and if you're going to be like the cool kids 
in the lighthouse, you say Crusher. <laughs> like, it's surely a nod to Wesley. Oh, I, Pete, it's showing that truly it's all connected. And maybe one day, now that uh, now that Disney is done, at least starting to gobble up Fox, the deal is done. Now it needs 12 to 18 months to go through. Uh, great cover on The Hollywood Reporter of Mickey Mouse having uh, a, a fox tail out his mouth because he's eaten the rest of Fox. That's awesome. Um, maybe in a year or two, things just get complete and Disney buys Star Wars and we can, or pardon me, buys Star Trek. That way we can have Star Wars versus Marvel versus Pixar versus everything and it'll just be fantastic. Anyhow, interesting plotting here. Uh, you have Coulson talking to May, as you said. And then, um, then Mac shows up with some uh, expositional information that uh, maybe Daisy has helped the bosses. Okay, maybe not. Then Yo-Yo has a report. She shows up in the scene uh, that, to say that uh, Daisy is not on the floor. So I'm sharing that less for the Daisy information just to point out in a writerly way. And we start with the scene of two, then three, and, and four all around mm -hmm. the crushing table. Yes. Uh, ultimately, to find out from Grill here that uh, this talking is not getting him what he wants. He's tripling shifts here. He's got to meet quotas and uh, ultimately pulls Mac aside here to rough up this gunner who owns him, uh, who owes him. Not only is Gunner in debt to Grill, but now he's getting tech from the Cree, which of course scares uh, Grill. But hey, Max, a beast. He needs to be used in such a way, not like the gentle giant that we've come to know and love, but as a tool for this uh, uh, slave labor boss. Obviously, we are supposed to dislike Grill in every way. I doubt there's going to be much of a Grill uh, redemption arc, although I wouldn't rule it out. I just want to separate from that actor Pruitt Taylor Vince, who really does a wonderful job just being smarmy and awful. Um, surely, dear listener, you've seen him before. He's been active uh, since 1987 in Hollywood, tons mm -hmm. of movies, um, and... Uh, I don't know. I just want to take a moment to say I hate Grill, and that's a compliment to Pruitt Taylor Vince. Yeah, you know the the performance, uh, the ability to love or hate an actor is is proof of uh, a, a great uh, person inhabiting the role. We cut from there, Matt, to a fight. There's a shirtless man who's uh, blocking every punch thrown his way, um, and. Uh, Daisy's watching this, witnessing this. We come to find that uh, he can read minds. That's how he's able to block every uh, shot at him here. Um, and uh, Daisy is told there's going to be a special privileged viewing of these combatants. You know, Pete, we talk so much about the importance of representation and what a what a genuine credit is ahead of me setting up my joke here what is <laughs> but but truly what a genuine credit it is to this show that has such a uh, such a variety of people across ages across races uh, across genders and indeed a show that is uh, that seems to largely separate race from character importance you know it's not the asian best friend it's not that kind of thing right 
now here's my joke, Pete. It's so nice to see guys like us, real muscle, muscular guys. <laughs> Speak nice for to, yourself, man. <laughs> it's, it's nice to see muscular 20-somethings represented on screen, you know, just really able to walk around with that shirt and say, look at my muscles. So it's nice that, nice that people like us get to show up, Pete. And we never got a name spoken in this episode unless i'm truly mistaken so you and i you know you're calling him hunky hunkerton and i'm calling him square jarton okay um but yeah i think it's that reverse effect we're we're so used to uh so many shades of reflection of of our society that uh you know the 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 lily white dude who is handsome and all that, but you know, we, we don't have a lot of personality other than I have taken my shirt off on screen and I read minds. <laughs> well, when you put so it like let, that, we're going to, we're going to call him his, his name henceforth, Matt, he will be known as shirtless McMind Reedy. <laughs> I, I am okay with uh, shirtless McMind Reedy. Um, he may be just looking over, Pete, uh, looking over the access to abcpress.com. Mm -hmm. uh, he I'm may sure there's be, a name out there, and, uh, but, I, but my rule is I got to hear it on screen. Oh, I totally agree. How, how about this, Pete? Other people might be calling him Ty, T-Y-E, mm -hmm. if indeed it is actor Max Williams, which I will confirm in a moment. Uh, but uh, Pete, I'm sticking with Hunky Hunkerton. Actually, no, that's not. Uh, that's that's not, not his name. He he referred to another character. That's ties kind of like that. Uh, Major me, Domo. Me, uh, Pete, that's what my notes say. Major Domo. <laughs> um, it, it all shall remain a mystery. I this, suppose this was this was not the best episode of Agents of Shield season five or any season thus far. Agree, and you know what? That's okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Somebody on Twitter, I'll read the comment later. I don't have it immediately in front of me. Said this was a setup episode. Okay, oh, yes it was. <laughs> you know, we're we're crossing the hundred episode mark this year. Assuming, and there's no reason not to, but assuming they do all twenty two episodes, that brings us to math is difficult. One hundred and ten. Yes, eighty eight plus twenty two is one hundred and ten. Um. So okay, in those one hundred and ten. Not all of them need to be reflecting the, the the aspirations of fascist leadership and how we deal with it. Okay, that's all okay. Yeah. Pete, indeed, he may be Ben, played by Miko Olivier, but regardless, I think we're going to see more of him and his shirtless self in this episode. He is told to leave. Indeed, all are told to leave, uh, uh, except for Daisy, who's going to be viewed by Cassius and Basha. And at that moment of tension... We cut back to Coulson, uh, or at least the Coulson portion of the story, um, and and Coulson is giving his blessing to Mac. You know, it's okay to go, to go uh, rough up this uh, this other guy, rough up Gunner. Gunner. I think Coulson's point of view is have to <laughs> have to break a few eggs to make the omelet. And um, I will admit, Pete, I did not know that we were headed towards a kind of introspective. B plot on on Mac and the grief he still carries from the framework and an episode that was perhaps like the color palette a bit muddy. Uh, it's it, it's a good thread for us to follow in this episode. 
It is agreed, and that that gentle giant and sensitivity that that uh, Henry Simmons has brought to this role, the the many years he's performed him now, uh, Colson tells him there's there's really no choice, and that they have to stick together. It's it's the philosophy they have to have at this. But he thinks he knows a guy, and uh, they. Uh, get us back to the, uh, the Daisy, uh, Coliseum idea that's going on there. Are, are we not entertained, Matt, that this is for profit, this demonstration that's going to take place here, but, uh, Daisy's not in the, uh, mood to perform. Uh, but that mood better change for her friend, of course, for Simmons, and she blasts a guy across the room there, and then they turn her inhibitor on, which is certainly a, a shackle uh, for these inhuman performers. Um, but uh, Basha had no idea that the Destroyer of Worlds was in Cassius's stable, Matt. And he says, yes, well, you know, well, we can discuss this over dinner. But since you dine on your ship and you won't, uh, you know, socialize with others, going to take you out of the running there. And you go back to your grim little rock that you called it there before uh, we notice Deke is in the back of the uh, the gladiatorial observation booth. Yeah, he's chomping down whether it's a grape or a nice little uh, I don't know, cube of salami or something like that. He's he's helping himself to the uh, to the appetizers, and he is there waiting to be paid. It is interesting the level of freedom that Deke seems to have. Um, I, I'm not certainly saying it's unreasonable. I think that we've seen how he's a, a smooth with a V operator, but um, indeed he he wants to be paid. He's given the shiny coin of coiny coinness and um some kind of special metal that was said that didn't really resonate i don't know if it's an actual metal or or something they made up all i know is it wasn't adamantium it wasn't vibrating that's all that matters um cassius grills him about about the prophecy did you did you have you heard about that prophecy deke you know the agents of shield coming to rescue us don't forget Deke, says Cassius. Let's stop any newbies, especially ones of the time traveler variety. And uh, the act ending with Cassius promising Deke more cash if uh, newbies and or time travelers show up. Act two begins here with Daisy and uh, shirtless McMine Reedy. Uh, he has read Ty's mind. Um so he's able to uh, move ahead when this inhibitor uh, is is uninhibited, <laughs> turned off, and be able to uh, you know plan his moves as somebody who's kept as a as a pet as a gladiator. Um, he's come to terms with this life here. It's their families that get compensated, and survival is everything. And he tells Daisy that if they are pitted against one another, he suggests that she try. If you care about your family, I suggest you play the game. Indeed. <laughs> um, 
we go back to Deke, who he's just out walking those halls. He's grabbed by Colson and May, who tell him that uh, they all need to talk. And Deke, to his credit, again, charismatic actor, character who I dislike, um, he gives a lot of supposed direct quotes from Daisy. Oh, I need to rescue my friend and blah, 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 all this. Colson eats it up. Um, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. It sounds Daisy-ish. It sounds in line with Daisy. The fact that Colson goes for it so quickly, eh. I mean, and then to be fair, it is later in this episode where, where you know, there's evidence that Deke is lying, so we needn't ponder it too long. But uh, Colson asks about level 35. Deke has no idea. He's never been that low, which is an interesting narrative tool because now you have all these levels where if you need... I don't know, whatever it is, the all-water level. Okay, that's just another level. Um, and the longer-term goal of the agents investigating the surface of Earth is put into play. And Pete, this particular scene wrapping up with Coulson playing a call from the surface, a call that we're going to learn a lot more about later on. Absolutely. Uh, but checking with other levels that we're aware of we know that four is holding 17 is engineering uh so certainly expanding the mythos of of what goes on in the lighthouse another interesting thread throughout this episode um and that virgil had been in contact here with the surface is something they're trying to ascertain the uh the nature of as well was that a recording matt was that a, a a live uh you know communique at this point or are they just broadcasting in the blind what did you make of that i made of that as, as it was a recording yeah okay um but the uh the the delegation is the the term that keeps coming up in that uh that communication there um so uh, Deke needs to get a, a couple things here, but he's he's certainly interested. We get back to uh, Mac and Yo-Yo. They're checking out Gunner. Um, great uh, straight-faced banter here out of um, Natalia Cordova Buckley here that if you can see me walking, I am casual turtle man. <laughs> A little bit of deeper conversation as well. Are we going to lose ourselves doing these bad things, mm -hmm. Mac wonders? Are we going to be like Fitz in the framework? Especially prescient. Fitz? The end. Who's that? Pete, don't worry. He'll be back. Um, and Yo-Yo adds, I think, some really interesting context here. As Mac has his nose pointed up and his pinky out in terms of, no, no, I shan't do this awful thing. She says, toughen up, suburb guy. You got to do what you got to do. Um, you know, she kind of, uh, is, uh, is reminding him of her rougher uh, existence growing up. And I would even say it's a bit of a, uh, a bit of an olive branch to the audience. Mm -hmm. If we're going to have, if we're going to have, uh, the roughing up occur, maybe Gunner does need a shake up to act straight. Look, he's already scamming more people right now. So they follow him. Sonara watches. Um, and then. She takes something from someone. I was a bit confused about the something and the someone. Yeah, I tend to agree there. Um. <laughs> there are times, Pete, when we have watched and podcasted these episodes where, um, oh, because I've been tweeting, I missed half a scene. Or because I've been quick typing down thoughts from the previous scene as we intercut between two, I, I miss a thing here or there. 
that was not the case with this episode. I was on my A game. Still, there were some things I was left confused about, like that particular moment. So in this rare case, and you know I love S.H.I.E.L.D., in this rare Mm -hmm. case, I'm kind of blaming the narrative for my being unclear as to why the thing was taken from the guy who I don't know. I think it was confusingly presented and the idea that, you know, it's it's not even a blink and you miss it. It it's just unclear what happened there. The uh story moves back to Cassius who's hanging out. He's eating like space figs or whatever. Whatever Roman blue people do. <laughs> uh he calls over Gemma. He's so thirsty, so she grabs him water. And Pete, I don't wanna I don't wanna relitigate the uh the inhumans series but i couldn't help but notice that in this show space water glasses are round and on humans they were square Mm. so at least we have that at least we have round you know round space glasses in the future um and it's at this point she gets thrown down by sonara for reasons i also wasn't entirely clear on um but pete now now i'm clear on things daisy's brought in and uh, there's the assumption on Cassius's part that Daisy was the helper uh, of Simmons back in when the guy was wounded. Was she? Oh, man. Hunky Hunkerton is going to help tell the truth as we head to the act break. Act three, Matt, begins here. And uh, we have Simmons with with Daisy and the mind reader here and what Cassius sets up is, uh, all right, are you alone? Great. You're going to tell me a story, Daisy. And then I'm going to ask the very same story of Simmons. And because she can only hear me, I'm going to get the truth. And it doesn't quite go that way. Does not Matt? It, it doesn't go that way in that he does not get the truth, but it does go the way he, it might have gone or one option which is that they are telling the same story i like the the camera addition here of uh showing from simmons point of view cassius blocking uh blocking daisy because i thought oh they're gonna there's gonna be winks and nods between the two of them but no no it's the same story hooray hooray hunky hunkerton gets taken away and uh sonara is reminded she's not the only one working on this again i was a tad confused although i guess the this is Oh, you know, what's the truth of Simmons and Daisy? Um, we, of course, will get more from Daisy and Hunky Hunkerton in a bit, but the story returns now to Colson, May, and Deke in the elevator. Uh, they can't get to level 35, but Pete, they're going to do the old trick where you go to level 36, mm-hmm. use your grav belt <laughs> to go up and make your way to level 35. Hold the applause. Yeah, and uh, perhaps this is r and d this level here but the the package that is uh meant for gunner um there's been a lot of vacancies matt but with festival or whatever they called the renewal right (laughs) that that took place um and it's time to start filling them and the the most effective act break other than the uh, the one at the end was the reveal of this baby in the incubator. Definitely a strong act break. The tension increased by uh, intercutting between that story in the R and D room and Gunner being you know the bad Gunner being shaken down because he hasn't paid up to the reveal that he's actually just a prospective dad. Pete, just like Mac was, 
act break. Um, and it's at this point where the baby stuff is truly revealed and everyone is nice except for you, Mac. You're taking away someone's kid. You'd be a bad dad if you were ever a dad, oh. Mac. Uh, this, of course, setting Mac off who pummels Gunner. Um, I have no doubt that Henry Simmons knows how to pull a punch on TV and punch the pillow next to the other actor's face. I was truly worried for Gunner, and I was truly worried for the actor at this point because Henry Simmons looked like he was going off. And uh, I'm glad to report that uh, James Harvey Ward playing Gunner probably uh, was not completely destroyed in the process. Yeah, for uh, Yo-Yo to stop him there, tells him you'll never get the privilege uh, Gunner does to have children. It, it really is a, a knife to the heart. And when we come back to Coulson for that exposition there, that they're using newborns as a commodity, people can't get pregnant anymore. Matt, now we're in space children of men. Pete, though, I think in this episode, perhaps some of the cost-saving efforts of the season may bear through a tiny bit. They're still, you know, they're still at full gas here with story, the baby thing, as you say, little children of men there, one's own reproductive nature now being taken away. Maybe it's in the food. Um, but why is this being done by the hires up like Cassius? It's it's not just the commodification of kids, which is terrible, but it's a it's to increase the chances of creating inhumans. And that's mm -hmm. kind of when it's like, oh, this is the inhumans gladiator factory that just has normal humans acting as the, the slave people downstairs. Um, this is, of course, a Colson Deke conversation. Where's May? She's been on computer and uh, she found something. Deke. She punches Deke. Because the party's over, pal. Um, the reveal that Deke all but certainly had a hand with Daisy being taken away. She's been uh, in custody since yesterday, but he said he saw her this morning. This is the part where May breaks your face. Not my favorite line of dialogue ever, although the sentiment very much appreciated. Pete, at this point, the Cree come in. There's a fight. May and Colson overcome it, but Deke gets a knife to the tum-tum. More people are coming, so Colson and Deke, they're going to run. May will hold them off. But the one of them is Sonara and Pete. Her balls are ready to fire as we end the act. Our final act, Matt, begins with the previously teased May-Sonara smackdown here. Um, she, uh, Sonara throws May, flips her onto the table there. It's it's a decent fight. Um before we get back to the uh, the Coulson Deke drama here, previously we found out Deke was one of the last children born this way. Um, talks about his his father, and uh, Coulson cuts right to the chase. And I think sometimes we don't give Clark Gregg credit. You know, the the cutesy stuff that they write for him is one thing; it's another thing when. You know, uh, Clark Gregg finds a way through the dialogue um, to go right to it. And he says, yeah, you know, that's a nice story. But uh, what about the payment you got for Daisy? Let's let's get down to brass tacks. And um, he uh, thinks that trust is bought. And uh, but 
he's managed to not buy trust, but perhaps a little bit of time. We also get some Deke background. Uh, he lost his mother, who was uh, taken out as one of the smart elders in, in that uh, in that round of eliminations. His father then became a rebel. Uh, dad was sent to the Roaches, so Dad's dead. But it's Dad's voice that was on the radio, uh, which is a nice twist there. Uh, does uh, Colson asks that uh, does Deke want to make things better? Step one, you can turn over what I call is the daisy coin oh and we're going to keep you in your room you bad bad boy he gets welded in there um we see gunner getting his baby and the daisy coin so happy ending there for everyone except for mac who's introspective he's staring off in the distance even though you shouldn't stop and stare off into the distance yo-yo asks him if you're ready to talk incredibly heartfelt moment here uh as he talks about missing hope he's just so sad um this surely is going to be on on um, on the actors. You know, I, I don't know how you share your your footage these days, whether it's on IMDb or whatever. But th this is going to be one for for future jobs where he shows his variety of uh, of acting chops. Just the the, the the watery eyes, Pete, got me right mm -hmm. in the heart. Um, Grill eventually comes along and says, "Monster Mac," you know, calling him the man. Gunner paid up. Hey, Mac, you fit right in with all us awful people to end the act. We hit the tag here, Matt. We've not a lot of effects in this episode, but to get the trawler moving there, the might even be repurposed from the, the shot a little earlier in the season. But we have Sonara at the reception here and uh, Cassius uh, comes in, says that now, uh, you know, have we dealt with our newest guest some mystery um and uh we have the main event here daisy brought out in chains uh he tells the onlookers here the assembled bidders that her power will be their power um and uh one of them matt steps forward in a mask thought it was mortis for a second from Inhumans in, in what seems like a fever dream at this point. Um, hey, everyone, uh, I'm just down and depressed. Can't you use your plant power? <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, and he says to uh, forget the exhibition. Um, the, uh, the destroyer of worlds here. And it's Fitz as he <sighs> removes his helmet. She should fight to the death. See you next week. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys, Matt. Let's begin with Cassius. Yeah, I I like the kind of continued slow reveal here of things that we're learning about him and our setting. The fact that he has been in this place for such a long time. The fact, as revealed by Hunky Hunkerton, having read his mind, that Cassius hates living here. Uh, so he's kind of this, this, you know, this uh, governor of this outer lying, you know, uh, crap hole place. And he wants a way out. Um, it just adds kind of to the motivation of the character. Still, though, he's this cool operator who uh, we can roundly dislike. And I doubt they're going to give us this backstory. Where we go, oh, now I understand him and like him. No, no, he's a bad guy. 
I think in this episode too, the way he was featured, getting a, a, a closer, better look at that makeup. And I think again, it, it speaks to the nature of his character, this slyness, this slinkiness that he has and come to find out that, uh, he wants out and he's limiting the population here. Um, much more nefarious than presented as, as just somebody who's, who's peddling high powered slaves grill, Matt, uh, you noted the actor of course, and, uh, you know, his long history of, uh, character roles, um, putting Mac to work here, uh, but seemingly affable with, that particular character knowing now he can give him something add to that the notion that grill uh in, in one of the earlier scenes essentially says you know the blue guys are my bosses too they they say add the iron ore production or whatever it is you know i have to do it too so a little bit of a reminder that grill is not middle management grill is just a slave in charge of other slaves uh so i think in that slight shift we're a little bit more sympathetic to him now the fact that he was willing to sacrifice agents of shield in the first uh two episodes to the uh the killing time i haven't forgotten that the fact that he shocked mac because the four of them were standing around talking and mac was the biggest that's not cool either but a, a little bit of perspective and understanding of grill and lastly sonora matt uh you know this throwdown with May always uh, great to see Ming Na, even with the, uh, the the surgery that she underwent on her leg there, and the character still smarting from that uh, get physical. Um, but she continues to have this uh, moody, silent presence, particularly with her chief means of attack of the uh, the little floaty balls. Uh, indeed, actress Florence Favre really, really sings in this role, despite her being so quiet. Um, I, I just can't help but mention here we have a French Thai actress. So again, adding to the uh, the wonderful tapestry of humanity represented on this show, even when they stick them in weirdo alien garb and makeup and whatnot. Um, there's a strength to the character that is not um, is not held back by her lack of dialogue. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, the food sterilization line there almost seems throwaway, perhaps too convenient. Is it being done? Is the population being limited that way or in some other even more nefarious way? If they don't explore that more nefarious way, then I feel like it is a very apt and able way to check the box to say, here's how it is that when people do, you know what people do, um, that no pregnancies occur. Easy peasy lemon squeezy in terms of a writing thing. If they want to circle back to it to show something worse, uh, I think that there is that space. I kind of somehow suspect not. Um, after all, at the end of the day, you got to eat. So... I think from a from a nefarious, you know, evil controlling kind of point of view, 
the food is the way to do it. And from a writing point of view, that's also another way to solve uh, to solve that problem. Pete, here's one for you. We get at the top of the episode the notion that humans have held out hope for so long. Uh, story of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming and Quake coming. Quake, the killer of uh, the, the killer of worlds. Here's my question to you. Is that perhaps that title, Killer of Worlds, is that maybe part of a smear campaign on Cassius's part? Cassius, who has taken out the elders, the smarty people, in order to tell them when their space Jesus lady comes, reject her. I would maybe go in the other direction. Is the destroyer of worlds like a marketing brand? Is is he just trying to build up uh, one of his uh, one of his products? Ooh, that could be as well. That that slippery Cassius, you simply can't trust him. Lastly, Matt, is Fitz Mortis? <laughs> no, thank goodness. <laughs> uh, I have to say, wait a that, minute. You couldn't go back and and make Inhumans more palatable, knowing the entire time. Because remember, we're still kind of nebulous on when Inhumans takes place compared to our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We know there are Inhumans on Earth. They are known uh, to people there. If the idea, Matt, is that Fitz uh, was able to travel to the moon, was able to uh, seemingly uh, adapt an Inhuman um, persona through some kind of tech that he made come out of his eyes and, uh, you know, did, did some bad things, but, you know, was was doing it in the service of ultimate good to now wind up 90 whatever years in the future. Uh, I don't know. I think you could even further redeem that. I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans who didn't get through in humans would be like, I got to get in there now. A, that would not be particularly recommended to go back and watch it. But we, we did have a fun time nonetheless. We had a, a very fun time podcasting it. Uh, I suppose it's possible, although Pete, and we'll save this for a completely other podcast, uh, I heard whisper, even in my spoiler-free ways, but I heard whisper of perhaps somebody from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being guesting on another show as their character from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So we'll, mm. if it's possible for Fitz, then it's possible for this other one. Hope, you know, ho- hope stands eternal, capital H and lowercase h there for you, Mac. But Pete, as with all things, time will tell. Let's check the wire. Pete, we ran a poll on uh, Twitter last night that actually closed about about 30 minutes ago. We ran it overnight. What did you think of tonight's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? The four choices, four stars, Cassius Crib, three stars, Free as Deke, two stars, Grill's Crew, one star, Crusher Duty. Uh, I will admit, Pete, I was a bit surprised by the results, but people showing our agents some love, 62% of people giving it four stars, 14% giving it three stars, 24% giving it two stars, and Pete, no one going for the low-hanging fruit, calling it Crusher Duty, which, you know, give me a, give me a less than amazing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, it still is better than Crusher Duty. We have a very strong core audience to the show in, in season five. It, it knows who it is. The, the show knows who it is. And I think that poll uh, bears that out. Matt, to Facebook we go where our pal uh, Jeffrey Allen John Cox, that's uh, 
JJ NATO on the Twitter. But uh, Jeffrey on Facebook left the following message. Thank you for mentioning how difficult it was to watch the scene with the little girl getting beaten up and thrown around. That didn't just push the 9 p.m. hour. That jumped over it. The arm snap was great. SFX, though. This really, really felt like a filler episode. For the most part, nothing happens in terms of story. They go to investigate a message for a good part of the episode only to get there and realize the message was coming from a different place. They didn't accomplish anything. Nothing really happened. It was a meh episode. Well, from meh last week, we'll start with some info from Twitter or some reactions from Twitter. Uh, starting with a bit of a meh this week from at Amerwitch. Uh, she says this season seems like it should be big and grand, but it's just plodding along right now. Uh, Serendipity824 uh, replied to, uh, to me saying things were a little muddy in the episode. She said, but May versus Sonara, I'm so down. Otherwise, very much of a setup episode, and I'm okay with that. And as I said earlier, Pete, I am too. They all don't need to be amazing. They all should strive to be amazing. But if they're not for a variety of reasons, okay. I mean, we're, we're in this far. You know, they're not all going to be fantastic. Um, at the end of the episode, I had tweeted, wait, what? And our pal Henry Dared, Henry Perno, said my thoughts exactly. Uh, and indeed about that ending, back to Serendipity824, how about that ending? I will say this, Pete, the ending lifted mm-hmm. lifted my episode vote. If I was going to vote in that poll, it raised it a whole a whole uh, letter grade for me. Um, at JPHG uh, replied to, to, to my wait what with uh, Andy from Parks and Rec going wow. And she said everyone's face probably. Now, Pete, here's a theory from at Ben Bassett. Is Deke Fitz's grandson? Can we believe Ooh. that's a thing for two minutes? Ooh, that's that's not bad at all. I kind of like that. Um, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. We're going to get those uh, those other years that that space in between. It seems next week, Matt, an episode I was calling the other 90 years. You more ably titled it. Indeed, I'm I'm tentatively titling next week's episode the other Fitzy eight days, which is, of course, a, a lost reference. Pete, a couple more tweets here. Uh, at Kayla Coop, C-O-U-P-E, said to us and our pal Jen Phillips 721 she said, Hail Space Caesar, and then a frowny face, uh, speaking of Cassius. And and Jen, who I think was was playing along with her anger here, but Jen says, Caesar my butt. She actually put star wow. SS. Cassius is the tiny governor who dreams of visiting Rome someday. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well done. Nailed it. Thanks, Jen. I I think actually it might have been Jen. If it wasn't her, I apologize, whoever it was. But at some point in the last week, I was complaining about Cassius's hair. And the response, I think, from Jen, the response from someone was, he's got Roman emperor hair. Like they're playing towards that as a, as a, um, I don't know, as an aesthetic. So if I'm not digging it, at least I'm not digging what they're putting down, which is Roman emperor guy. Absolutely. Last tweet from our pal Bob Keeley. That's at R. Keeley. Nice, surprising reveal at the end of the episode. I think that's the perfect note to end on, which is perhaps not the greatest episode ever, but it certainly ended with a bang and kept us once again engaged with these characters that we love so much. 
And you know who we love so much even more, Matt, our our good patrons at patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Indeed, Pete, by visiting patreon.com slash fantastic geek and, uh, and lending a hand there, they help make sure that our uh, our podcast rebellion stays afloat we can keep broadcasting from the surface to all y'all out there in your little recordy boxes like colson carries or whatever tech you might use so thank you one and all for being our agents and now that uh patreon has rapidly abandoned given the outcry its new fee structure we feel even better about the uh the people who are still able to contribute so thank you Everybody who contributes gets uh, exclusive podcast content. So get yourself there today. Check out some perks. Uh, it's all for you. And I'll stick with that topic for one more moment just to say that in the mea culpa letter that the head of Patreon sent out, uh, he, he stated that they had, they had misunderstood or they had forgotten that the relationship that Patreon is a part of is a relationship between the creators and the audience and Patreon just serves as a as a financial bridge, but the relationship is the creators to the audience, and I think that not only hammered home how Patreon should work, but more importantly, hammered home how we, Pete and I, feel about you, dear listeners, that the relationship really is there, and um, and Patreon's a way to you know help support things, but the relationship comes first. So, with that, Pete. You give away the best parts of your relationship with the audience for free. It's on Twitter. How can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, -E -E 9,713 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, please be in touch with the podcast anytime you like. Visit FantasticGeek.com. Email FantasticGeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are fantastic geek as well but wait pete there's more facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek like it today well with that pete if you're listening to us on the agents of shield podcast we will be back next week if you're listening to us on the pop culture podcast let's see we got punisher tomorrow we got runaways tuesday we have uh agents of shield friday probably another punisher on thursday ish and some holiday goodies before too long with that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Hold the applause.